Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Hey, this is, this is Jack Dorino. Hi, Jack. My name is Earl Grey. You're having trouble with the bosses <laughs> in the wrong syllables. But today on Let's Talk About Treks, we are discussing Star Trek Prodigy, A Moral Star, Part 2. It was released on February 3rd, 2022, and it is the ninth episode of Prodigy and the 827th episode of Star Trek. It's also the uh, 10th episode of Star Trek. It is the t- I, So I looked on Memory Alpha. Uh-huh. And I looked at it, it said that it's the ninth of nine produces Prodigy, right? Okay. And then, then... According to Paramount Plus, this is episode 10. <laughs> and apparently they're counting episode one as a two-part episode that they just don't split into two parts. But it is part one and part two, episode one and episode two. So maybe one is for uh, asset purposes and one is for tax purposes. <laughs> like... Like, we have 10 episodes, but, like, to the IRS, they're like, well, yeah, there's only nine episodes. <laughs> there's only nine. Okay. Like, like, really have nine episodes. I mean, maybe maybe Paramount Plus is counting 28, 25, 24, what, yeah, 24-minute episodes. So every 24 minutes is... <laughs> I enjoyed this episode greatly. Uh-huh. Uh, how about you? You know, it's been a minute since I've seen it. Yes, I believe. Yes, yes, I have. You think maybe this this is the second part. I was fortunate enough to watch them on the same day. I didn't watch them on the day they were released. I waited to watch them so I could watch Ooh. them both together. Cinematic. So this episode, by coincidence, for some reason, was also written by our entire writing staff. Yep. And also directed by Ben Hyben, the same guy who directed the last episode. Yes. So he did like the whole arc. Yes. Cool. Which episode is last episode? Are you? The previous referring? episode of this was a moral star part one. Yep. Oh, okay. Unless this is one episode. Because I don't know whether this is nine or ten. But this whole episode was <laughs> by the same team. Uh-huh. Or both these episodes were the by the same store. team. Yeah. However you want. Okay. Whatever you want to call it. Or when people pay for a year of CBS All Access and it becomes Paramount Plus. They're, they're cool with that. Uh-huh. When the interface stinks and gradually gets better, they're they're fine with that. <clears throat> no, it still kind of stinks. When they have to watch a, a commercial for Rumble every time they watch an episode of Star Trek, even uh-huh. though they've already seen the movie Rumble based on, oh my God, why are they showing me this again and again and again? It seems a little usury. Like aren't I paying you for an experience that I enjoy? And guess what? Now you're annoying me. Like, <laughs> I've seen your damn movie. Like, stop showing me. Like, shouldn't there be something in the algorithm? Like, once you've seen the damn movie, like, stop pushing oh, it on me. Like, stop pushing it right, on me. Yeah. I got you. I'm not watching it again. What? Yeah. Stop telling me to watch the movie. But thanks for the well, movie. It was it, a cool movie. Like, WWE and CBS. But I'm good. Thank you. Does Paramount own WWE? I think that it's a whole... I think that, yeah, I think that's... CBS Paramount uh, have okay. WWE under their umbrella. Oh, and this okay. is, so this is like uh, another iteration of uh, Star Trek Prodigy, right? So uh, let's take Star Trek and let's take Nickelodeon and let's put them together and make a thing. And they're like, oh, yeah. let's bring, um, oh, I don't know what they brought together, but they bring like, uh, I don't know, like kids animated monster movie <laughs> together well, with yeah, that was... wrestling and yeah. well, I'll make a new thing. And, you know, yeah, it was, Rumble too. I, it was actually a pretty I'm sorry, go kids like kaijus, but kaijus are too scary for some kids. So we'll give them a kaiju wrestling. Yeah, I mean these these kaijus were uh, they're okay. You know, like uh-huh. they were they weren't as they weren't they weren't terrifying. Maybe, they were like you know maybe they cute, were trying to make animals. their own version of um, <laughs> Monsters Inc. It, you know what? And it looked like that to me before I watched it, like <laughs> you know in the commercials. So sure, I got you on that. So again, CBS. Thank you. It was a good movie. I thank you. Thank you. I got the feels. Whatever. Yeah. I'm good. Stop showing me the commercial, please. <laughs> I will pay you. Wait, I already did. 
<laughs> Let's walk through the episode. Here's another thing that indicates that it's two separate episodes. We get another uh, set of, you know, the intro. This is true. Like, you would think that we would just open the episode, but, I mean, it's on the streaming service. So, like, if it were presented on television, I'm sure the first time they showed it, it would have nothing in the middle. And then uh-huh. as as they, like, reposted it or, you know, sold it as, you know, other forms of media, like, it would have the titles back on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Speaking of uh, being on TV, how do you feel about paying for something that we were originally told it was only ever going to be broadcast on CBS All Access uh, and now Paramount Plus? You know, now I, I'm hearing in from through the grapevine that some of these shows have actually been starting to be broadcast I, on TV. You know what? I, I I was afraid of that and I kind of expected that, but I'm glad of it. And I'm proud to have been a part of bringing Star Trek back to regular television because it was all the whole way through. I put dollars in to make sure that they were able to keep making it. And I'm so, so happy and joyous about that. So you're saying that you helped contribute this, this the Paramount Plus pro- project was to kind of see, oh, are people actually interested in yeah, Star Trek? Yeah. Still? I helped bring Star Trek back to the masses. <laughs> Okay, so they're only broadcasting it on TV now because they saw how popular it was on. No, because TV. like now they can now. I I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Like whatever it is, I'm glad that you know they're able that it's out there now. Like it's everywhere because like right. I felt we felt weird being in like like you. It was like and being in a club. <clears throat> yeah, like that felt very like. Oh, you guys, like, right. everybody doesn't get Star Trek? That sucks. Like, you have to have money to get Star Trek? That's whack. That's just not Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, I watched Star <clears throat> Trek when I was poor and I had nothing better than yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course, I was a teenager, but... So as we walk through the episode, evil Janeway can't seem to find the protostar drive. Yeah. Uh, Gwyn confronts the Diviner with his own magical sword that yep. she forgot that he gave to her or something. Like, she he told her right that it was his sword. Well, he's probably like happy birthday, sword. first birthday. Um, how old is Gwen? She's seventeen. No, no, literally, how old is she? She's seventeen. He grew her in the test tube in like a day. Right, that's why she's seventeen. She needed seventeen years ago. No, when she came out of the test tube, she was fully grown and fully formed. Yes. As what would be equivalent to a seventeen-year-old yes person, but yes, this is true. She's younger than Kess. Yes, so you're saying that she should appear to be 34, correct? <laughs> no. <laughs> Shouldn't she be 17 plus 17? Because she came out at 17, right? So she should be two 17s. No. Am I saying, am I saying, am I saying, yeah. You're so, saying it backwards. Huh? If she came out at 17, at the age of 17, and then 17 plus 17 years would be the age she is now, so she when be, she came out, when she came out of the test tube, she was in the body of a seventeen-year-old child. Yes. But how many years has it been since then? How many years has it been since then? Zero. Since so she came out, no, no, no. He made her seventeen years ago. No. Yes. No. no. He just made her. She's brand new. I don't think so. No, I think just shortly before, huh? Just shortly before the show started, I thought he did. He did it seventeen years ago. Maybe, no. What? Like, didn't it say that on the screen? Seventeen years ago, when he was talking to uh, Dalrock, uh, and Dalrock was like, "Don't make the thing," and he was like, "No, I'm going to make the thing." Maybe. Yeah. That was 17 years ago. So she, she's... And by the by the time she came out, he was in the tube. Yeah. Yeah. So she came out of the tube in a 17-year-old body. Yeah. That's aged another 17-year-old, 17 years. So mm-hmm. why isn't she in the body of a 32-year-old? 34 year old 
and now we've 15. reached now we're there 15 17 plus 17 is 34. you're, you're right never mind and I there we are my math in my head slower I'm, than you i'm glad we got there so the 34 year old 17 year old mm-hmm. is threatened by the dowrock what is he's what is his name dreadnought is that his name dreadnought uh dread uh yeah. Land, Dread- landslide yeah it's land landslide i don't know what dreadlocks yeah so the diviner uh, bob traps, marley i don't know what what is his he's the <laughs> he's the slam slot what megatron yeah that's what he is i forgot about that he's definitely mega mega rock he's the 800 sometimes uh yeah so there's a he uh, the diviner has actually like this programming fetish where he makes these programs that, like he doesn't have to the 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 robot thing it doesn't have to be all like i will come and get you like it doesn't have to be like that it could be like you know like hey guys how you doing i'm gonna grab you now you know like he has he's made a choice for the robot to behave in a certain way like to exhibit certain uh-huh. behaviors of i'm menacing not like he could be like i'm not doing anything like you know like and all of a sudden it grabs you for no reason he does the same thing with the janeway hologram right so like he puts like sort of the same bent on that character as well he likes like the sinister type like oh that's a choice okay. he he decided to have the hologram behave in that way yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I get what you're saying now. So we set a course to Tars Lamora to catch a star. We keep on seeing the Cation in in like three different places, and it seems like either she can move really quickly, or they can move really quickly, or sometimes it seems like there's almost more than one Cation child, and they keep on getting in and out of their suit too for some reason. The the Cation? Yeah. Once they're in their dress, sometimes they're in their suit. Huh. I don't know if it's a continuity error or they just keep on getting in and out of their uh, protective suit. No, I kind of feel like we just, I feel like we were focusing on the character a little uh-huh. bit in the episode. And it was like, you know, they set the character and, you know, whatever they thought mm-hmm. was going to be best for the moment. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, it's the, it's the little, it's the little brother or the little sister. Uh, and they're showing how the, even the little brother can be, or the little sibling can be just as involved in a, in a part of everything and able to do things as the older siblings. Sure. I didn't expect the cat to be quite that young. Um, was that racist if I call it the cat? <laughs> Should I check my privilege and make sure that I call this occasion? I think I should do that. That's your prerogative. So I'm you not we, sure how occasion would feel about being called the cat. <laughs> would you like the monkey? Oh, depends on how you use it. I mean, it's like, uh, uh, what's, how's I, it going, I, cat? What's that going on, cat? You know, hey, dog. I very rarely am okay with anyone referring to me as a monkey. Very rarely. I mean, it happens, but it's it's very rare. <laughs> well, there's a specific stigma to that for I you. Agree. This is true. And a specific set of people that would have done that hurtfully for somebody like you. Okay. This is true. In order to do assuage that that hurt, may I start calling you monkey? <laughs> I, I'm just curious. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> so we... We see definitive proof here, uh, it's canon, that apparently Cation Claws are sharp enough to be pushed through out of the metal tips of the gloves of these protective suits that they're wearing, and uh, then cut off the metal neck of a robot. That cat, that cat, damn it. (laughs) That location became crucial. Like, I never did I ever dream when we saw that Cation in the first episode and, Mm -hmm. you know, we had a brief discussion about the Cation. I didn't think that the Cation was going to come back and, like, win the whole battle. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they realized they had more furry fans than they... Oh, I, I was, I was, I was impressed and I was like, I was, 
I was like vindicated for things that hadn't happened to me yet. Yes. Yes. What? I don't know. I was just I, like, vindicated for things that haven't happened. That haven't yet. happened. They haven't haven't even happened yet, and I don't know. I just I feel better for things. I feel already because that happened because they had that moment of oh my god, that cat just won everything. That that much elation. Like now, the next thing that happens to me won't feel so bad. Okay. Thanks for having me explain my pathology. I like this, the diviner suit here. It reminds me, I mean, it makes it look like he must have overclocked his processor. So these tubes that are on the outside of his uniform suit thing must be a water-cooled system <laughs> only. But it, since it's blue, he must be using coolant or antifreeze instead of water. I think that's right. I think no, I think those are the colored LEDs. He could actually do any color he wants. He probably turns them like dimmer. He dims them when he goes to bed. Oh, you know, so like, he, he's got like LEDs. <laughs> yeah, he's playing Fortnite, it like changes color to the music. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 that's perfect, yeah. Uh-huh. So all all this time he's been at, at risk for overheating and then Janeway goes and unplugs one of his oh tubes. my god and immediately, and immediately starts his, to feel yeah, overheated his processor popped immediately yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah. our team is flying around and burning me folks into understanding like so we're like <laughs> shooting around in is midair by ourselves yeah burning me because that's bur- it's hard to say to burn hemming burning burning because <laughs> i just like when you're just flying alone in the middle of space to go to reach a goal like that's that's burning me. Like even like even if you're on a whole damn ass starship by yourself, you're still burning me your way out into normal space, normal space again. Like uh-huh. so, different show though. So uh, yeah, yeah. So let's go. The two miners who are suddenly able to able express to themselves to, to one another and yeah. are ready to like form a whole new i don't what are they doing is this a romantic relationship that's, uh, that's maybe forming. yeah i don't know i wasn't really sure they just totally trip out about being able to talk to each other yeah well and i was always under the impression that the way the the way the universal communicator worked or translator worked uh, is i need one to translate me into your language but you need one to translate you into my language so we each need one so how is right. one translator working for the whole group of people i think there's a proximity that in which they work i think that's how this show is doing it but i that's i think that's how discovery did it as well when they had the episode where the translator was going weird well they were on a ship where the whole computer system is just translating for everybody or maybe they're wearing babelfish I was thinking that maybe the consoles themselves were doing the trans were doing the translating locally in their at their station. Uh, okay, maybe. But again, different show. So we have a little group of Pog and Rock and oh wait, no, Pog and Rock and Zero who find the engineering room and Rock opens that door. Pog notes that the watchers are back on and the Tars Lamora security system, uh-huh. so, which is the little watchers have mm-hmm. come back on and i noticed that jankum has the, the the matrix sentinels yeah the little tiny yeah the little crawly guys crab things they're not that little but yeah for some reason it came to my clear attention and i just don't know why i haven't noticed it before that jankum has three fingers yeah but did you have you did you notice that already before I don't know. you know what i usually notice details but i don't pick on details about an individual and I accept them for who they are. <laughs> okay, well, Jacob Pog is a guy with three fingers and you should accept him for that. <clears throat> but I'm still curious as to like, is what is his species now? Because he has three fingers. And I don't know of any species who has three fingers. Well, yes, well, I do. Because the, uh, the people where Riker went to, no, they had two fingers. They had a flipper-ish. Uh, three fingers, I don't I don't do three. No, they, they there was. I know what you're talking <clears throat> about. They had, uh, they had, they had three fingers and a thumb. Oh, okay. Jenga Pog has literally two fingers and a thumb. He's got three <laughs> yeah. phalanges. Yeah, it's like he looked like he can grasp very interestingly. <laughs> um. So. Jacob Pog's uh, ability to engineer might be a little hampered by the three fingers thing. That's just on his artificial 
his implant. I don't I don't remember seeing his other oh, natural hand. That's not his actual hand hand? One of his hands is a is a uh uh prosthetic. Yeah, I think I saw the the regular hand hand. His, like his hand and it's three fingers. Like zero one of their hand zero's right hand is three fingers too. Huh, yes. And they've complained about that before. In in this episode they started complaining about it. And then they immediately took her away from them. When we get to the engineering puzzle, yeah, Hug defers to Rock, and yeah, what Rock says. I tried to like go back through it to see like if I could, you know, fit it into the puzzle of the matter antimatter action assembly and how warp drive works like into my head. And Rock says that they need to interplex the plasma conduits and adjust the input variance in the warp matrix and siphon the off the energy of the protostar to jumpstart it mm-hmm. right so this is like this is this is the whole so this is the whole thing this is what a warp, warp matrix does is it sends the energy from warp into something else or perhaps okay. the other way right so this is like kicking a manual transition transmission into gear <clears throat> by popping the clutch well you add the input variance adjustment <laughs> Don't forget to add the input <laughs> variance adjustment because there's going to be a variance in the input because you're not starting it from its regular input. You're starting it from a protostar. <laughs> you got to adjust for that. Hey, did Murph eat the protostar drive? Yes, Murph ate the protostar drive. I don't know how I missed that, but I was watching it. I'm like, wait, hold on. <laughs> Is it inside... It was inside of Murph the whole time. Although the Protostar drive seems to be at least three times bigger than any yeah, I was a being on the like, ship. I was a little puzzled at that. But, you know. I mean, maybe again, they're bigger on the inside? You know, it's a, it, this is Star Trek Prodigy. And we've made certain decisions about Star Trek Prodigy. They can do squats. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. it is, it's, a, it's a great version of Star Trek. I like it. I'm not going to, I don't want to knock it too much. Stretch and squash, squash and stretch animation. Okay. So Zero finds our friend the cat. Or the cat. Damn it, I did it again. <laughs> I don't know I can't keep, I just keep calling him because I don't have another name for him. And he just looks they, like. They haven't given the, the child a name. You can call it a child. He looks like a Whittle Giddy. <laughs> Come here, Whittle Giddy. They they haven't really even clarified whether the Cation child has a gender. They they have not. Uh, because being that the fact that the voice actor is evidently a prepubescent human being, oftentimes at those younger ages, there's very little distinction between male and female voices. Sure, sure, that's fair. So in my mind, you know, sometimes it sounds like it's a boy, and sometimes it sounds like it's a girl. So that's why I've been sticking to the day. Okay. So I think that's fair. I think we uh, end up doing that a lot in this series, which I think yeah. is a good idea, you know, to start kids being as deferential to others being. Yeah. Dressing them in yellow instead of blue and pink. Sure. So uh, they, they fight a watcher, and in doing so, Zero loses an arm. And yeah. we use those those phasers that we, that we got last, you know, a few episodes ago. And Dal presents <laughs> the problem. And the problem is that there's too many people and too little time. He also derives a solution using the materials already at hand. So this is like, yeah. he's doing like captain-y stuff now, right? Or a little bit of engineering. I mean, that sounds like something Scotty would have done. So yeah, he's the he's the captain, right? So he's he's organizing. <laughs> Everyone by letting them know, hey, this is the situation. So this this is our mission. We have to figure out what is going on, like how to do this too many people, too little time thing. Uh-huh. And here's what we have. So he presents the solution because well we have a I don't match, know. a popsicle stick, and yeah. a three paper clips. Yes. And how high can you get the tower using only this string? <laughs> In the middle of it, pock and pock and pock and jog, pock and jog and murph. Pog and Rock and Murph are interrupted by the Watchers, but then got the shields and gravity back on, and Rock is apparently an engineering genius. Well, they've had how long in the in the in time amok sure. to learn about yeah. all of this? We don't know how long she spent or they spent there. We do. We've decided that it was long enough to build 
a model, like a medium level skill level model of like a Star Trek ship, but not long enough to build a functioning car. <laughs> okay. So apparently this is also like seeping off of rock because Dow is now engineering a Whitefield Universal Translator where like it's going to work for everyone instead of just working for the wearer of the combat, right? Uh-huh. Hopefully the rest of the crew is going to get some amazing engineering knowledge that's seeping off of Brock. And if it's seeping off of Brock, is Brock going to lose the engineering knowledge that <laughs> she's been imbued with? It's she's They've been imbued with? Feeding it to everybody else and they're yeah. just leeching it off <laughs> of them? Yeah. The, uh, the Dow Rock shows up and hovers over the city and O'Brien climbs up. I'm sorry, wait. The Dow Rock. Oh, Dreadnought shows up. And yeah. Ask for just ask for the protocol. Hey, can I get that protocol right there, real quick? And Murph books it. Murphy's out. He's like, nope, sorry, bye. Did it seem like Murph, like Dalrock, had to hurt Murph or something to get the protostar? He just kind of rips it out of him. He did seem exhausted. The translators made people able to organize, right? Yeah. So, in this episode of Star Trek. Party, we learn about communication and how important it is to a team. It's interesting that they didn't try to come up with their own form of un- united communication. Hand gestures or maybe just certain vocalizations that developed into their own language as a single culture so that they could unify. I agree. I, I Perhaps it hasn't been long enough. I don't know, but I think maybe, you know a few months would be long enough, really. Yeah, I mean, it seems like some of these people have probably been here for years, decades. It seems that way, yeah. yeah. So as the protostar comes, starts to come online, uh, you know, and the diviner's pulling his, there's no there's no barrier we can't overcome line. The miners head to their uh, their vipers. <laughs> you know, like they're, they're running down the runway to get to their mm-hmm. jet planes to go and fight yeah. the uh, aliens who've landed on earth that's a will smith movie i don't know which one it is so i can't tell you where what to put on your bingo card oh independence day that's where that's where i was yeah it reminds me of independence day everybody's running to their planes so they can go fight the uh-huh. aliens well and i thought and i thought it was weird that they're getting into these pods and then just then in the very next scene that they're just sitting there as if there were no pods they were getting into because they closed down on them and they were in the thing like they were getting into mech suits or something sure. yeah and then they're just sitting at desks yeah, they're just hanging out. But <laughs> the cool thing is that now our crew has the Diviner's ship. Yeah. And do they have all that Chimerium? Is it, is that what's on that? I, I think that's what the ship was mining. But oh, okay. the Diviner finds that Gwen has uh, performed a factory reset. I think she held volume up and power. <laughs> and the ship... Hey reset and restored its operating system to scratch and then she also upgraded the os you know she downloaded the up the newest update the newest version with more security features and installed that Uh so Uh now janeway is able to fight the diviner so apparently the new upgrade is uh able to uh, act with malicious intent towards a sentient being (laughs) which is cool that's what you want because you want like when you walk on the ship you want like to be killed so like, wouldn't that be crazy? Like a ship well, that is like running around, like luring people onto it and then killing them. That's what all the AI eventually start look or the Terminator, Skynet, yeah, the Matrix. Finally, we we start to get some understanding of the Diviner's story because it's been quite uh-huh. a mystery for the much of the season, uh, and he reveals that he's from the future of the planet Solom. I thought the whole point in waiting to make first contact with a species is to wait until they are developed enough and united enough to uh, invent warp drive and or well just developed enough to and united enough not necessarily that they develop warp drive but and and if the, the diviner species what was the name of it again uh, he's from Solom they're the town the cat okay if the town the cat were so undeveloped that, that they reverted back to civil war because of Starfleet, that they had, you know, people that were against joining Starfleet, you know, against this whole Starfleet thing, and the others that just wanted to regress back into 
you know, oh, we're the only ones in the universe. Right. Right. Why did they even buy, why did they make first contact in the first place? Yeah, Starfleet agreed. should have been able to tell that they so, weren't ready for first contact. I don't know for sure, obviously, because the story hasn't been told yet. Yeah. But I'm betting that there was either either it's directly related to the diviner going back in time. Uh huh. Or someone on the planet reached out or someone on the planet got out. <laughs> you know? Well, because if they had been, if they're advancing for centuries and centuries, you could do a like secret project and build a rocket and leave on your own. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you, Elon. <laughs> you're not supposed to go and build a rocket just yourself. Like you're supposed to be government does that. Like what are you doing? <laughs> he's, he's you, don't think that, you don't think SpaceX is a good thing? No, it's great. It's awesome. It's just like I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, Zephram Cochran was working on his own. He wasn't working through any funding of any no, government. This is true. I mean, he he had the help of his friends or his employees. This is true. Elon Musk was the first Zephram Cochran. <clears throat> Maybe Elon Musk is Zephram Cochran. Is Elon yeah. Musk an anagram of Zephram Cochran? Wait, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no Z in Elon Musk. This is true. The, the Diviner offers to show Gwendell this story, and we're trying to figure out the time. Are we gonna are we fire on our own ship? Which What's is that? when we're trying to figure out shall we fire on our own ship? Oh right. So yeah. this is when this is the moment in this episode where we start learning about battle tactics. Apparently, <laughs> is the lesson. Yeah. Oh, the fact that they can just fire on the. Uh shield generator and just d disable them enough sure. instead of it completely obliterating them yep, exactly yeah. that yeah so the team has decided they're going to go and get their ship back right so yeah of course they can only they have to they have to go single file because it's a very thin corridor yeah they yeah. through which they can <laughs> well beam. apparently there's only he, they can only lay, lower the shields long enough to beam over one person i've never yeah. got how that works they've used that trope before yeah like can you send a burst <laughs> could you send like could you zip it can you zip him and send him in a zip file yeah but i like dow's line but i think he's channeling somebody a little bit there oh he's yeah. like i'll tell you when i get one you know and they're, they're asking him about a plan what's your plan he's like i'll tell you when i get one. Oh yeah He's definitely channeling Indiana Jones there. Oh, Indiana Jones. Okay. So what's wild is that the Diviner has made this computer program that's going to corrupt the systems as soon as they interact with the Protostar, and it's going to mm -hmm. make the ships fight each other, I guess, autonomically, and then... Yeah, I don't understand exactly and it's gonna, what he thinks yeah. is going to happen. Yeah, I, it seems like he thinks that the ships are going to take control of themselves and, like, fire at each other, and also maybe fire at all the planets or something. And, and maybe I'm he's never really heard sure. of a firewall? I... <laughs> Maybe he's, I, I don't know, but he is from, I, I don't know where, in the, I, I don't think he's from 50 years in the future from now, so I don't know where in the future he's from. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, which means that I don't know where in the future this hologram Janeway is from. Oh. Like, maybe this hologram Janeway is something that Chakotay made when he got lost, <laughs> and it's been evolving for, like, thousands of years as a training ship. He left it as a training ship, like in case, well, you know, somebody, oh, he made it as a training ship. And then the previous training crew went down to Solemn, even though the prime directive was in place, you know, just like our crew did. We went down to a place where we shouldn't have because of the prime directive. And then because of that, the diviner has divined that, oh, I'm going to take this ship and I'm going to go and stop whoever sent this ship from ever coming here uh, except in the post the not post credit scene post credit scene jane real physical admiral janeway is still alive so it couldn't be yeah, but the, years. No, no, no. The, the ship has traveled back in the past the, the ship has come back in the past because he was he was he's from 50 years after the civilization was destroyed okay but he traveled back in the past Who's saying how far back in the past he traveled? Okay. That ship could be from the far future, and that's why it has a protostar drive. So he could be from a hundred. Oh, wait, years no, because in the Janeway's looking for the proto warp yeah. signatures. Signatures in the modern, in the time period where the protostar is. Wow. Okay. Well, or she, maybe she's tracking, and she's looking for Chakotay. We're almost there. Let's. We'll go back over that when we yeah. get to that point and that bend in the turn. So. Yeah. Um, 
the Dow Cowboys up and 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 Magical Swords down. Magic Swords down. Yeah, he, the Magical Sword is down. <laughs> the Definer throws Gwen across the room for trying to help Dow, which is nice. That's what uh-huh. you want to do as a father. And Zero yeah. approaches, and Zero has lost their ever loving mind, and then turns that madness onto the Diviner, who begins to absolutely crumble. Yeah. Unfortunately, while this is happening. Oh yeah, zero. Yeah. yeah. When catches a glimpse of a reflection. Yeah, and, and I, of I love that they're Dallas channeling Indiana Jones again. There, it's yeah. the right. end of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Oh, when, okay. when they open the the ark and all the all the bad guys look into the ark and they get oh. melted and so mm, so okay so I got you. I'm gonna say sort of though because Medusans yeah. came first. Huh? Medusans came first. Did they? They did. They came from the original Star Trek. So that would have been before Indiana Jones. Yeah. So Star Trek is just referencing themselves. <laughs> and also Indiana Jones. <laughs> so the Diviner is about ready to get his face melted. He's getting his face melted yeah, he's by getting his face melted. the thing that's whatever on the inside of the yard. It's a Medusan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Indiana Jones is like, don't look, Miriam, keep your eyes uh-huh. shut, keep your eyes shut. Uh-huh, In this you. case, their eyes are open and he's just like, look at me, look only at yep. me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's a very delicate, very intimate, powerful it scene. Extremely but then so. accidentally, and like anybody, you, you, your eyes just wander sometimes and yeah. you catch the reflection yeah. of and, the interior of the arc. And I'm sure that he felt feels so guilty about that yeah because he didn't think now that he was he he put the shiny metal thing on them <laughs> well i mean it i mean he's the captain you know? i don't think that i, I who would I have ever thought that they would have been would, shiny enough to be reflective enough to reflect yeah. some of the power of a medusa i would have felt awful <laughs> i said that was all my fault yeah because gwen is partially cataleptic and yeah. like she's just like but she's still holding on to the knowledge that they just can't go they can't go they can't go because yeah. they can't yeah. they can't go they can't go and connect the thing to the thing and things all strike things and she's holding on yeah. to it so hard that's all she's got but like i'm impressed with her for continuing to hold on to like hey yeah. listen you gotta know this part i don't know if i'm gonna stay here but like you got you we can't go <laughs> yeah when zero is open when, when they're not in their containment suit they're not communicating through the containment suit or the combat did you notice that there's a lot of beeps and blips and boops and it's almost like do do medusans and does zero communicate via binary i think that they have something that we don't hear and it's likely something that can be made in a gas and for us that often sounds like a plume like a like a bell <laughs> Like like the uh, nebula that is God in uh, Futurama. Um, yeah. We get to the training log, and that's where that's where yeah. we get a reference to the start date. We, and that start date, you know, like we mentioned earlier, was start date six one one zero three point one. Yes, six one one zero three point one. So it's not a six hundred thousand <laughs> like the other the other day. Oh, uh, you're saying it's a shorter start date than it was before. Yeah, this is a regular length start date. So this is more yeah. like what I would consider contemporary Star Trek. So this is like 21 years after the first season of Star Trek, The Next Generation. So do you think that the last start date was somehow unintentionally long? It's what gave me the idea that we yeah. don't know how far in the future the Diviner comes from. And we don't know like it's the hologram like they usually don't make a hologram of a living person to be a training okay. device right so right. maybe this is hologram janeway who's meant to train far-flung people in federation yada, well yada. no they, they they do they remember they made the doctor the emh after an existing holographic programmer Okay, I got you. And he was still alive when they implemented the program. I mean, that was him. He, like, he made a picture of himself, I guess. Yeah. It just seems like maybe there, that has something to do with all of that. I, I'm not sure. No, that that certainly makes sense. I get where you're coming from, and <laughs> I I appreciate where you're coming from. Cool. 
Um, the protostar crew transforms the diviner ship into a caravan. Oh, all the people that they have with them. Okay, then yeah, heading in their own in their own direction. Uh, the diviner's hair. I don't know if you noticed this way because <laughs> it was like a blink and miss it. But oh, the diviner's hair has gone black. It went black. Yeah, and he what color in, was it before? It was like white. <laughs> okay, so instead of dark hair going white, it is white hair going dark. Yeah, so he now lives alone on Tars Lamora, and uh, uh, Zero, I'm sure, also feels incredibly guilty and is tending to Gwen. Well, I mean, they kind of did did this on purpose. It was premeditated. Sure, but not not to Gwen though. Is the thing. Oh, yeah. Well, and she they they say that out, out loud is oh I never intended to hurt her. Right, and that's why Zero is tending to Gwen because I'm sure Zero Zero still feels guilty oh, yeah. even though they didn't intend that. Yeah. So we have a, we have a little montage and Gwen is coming back but has lost the memories of why they can't go. And she doesn't remember saying they can't go. And this, I find this terrifying <laughs> because now we're gonna go. That's what, yeah, I mean, they're Holy leaving crap. that as a cliffhanger for next season. Yeah, so here's the thing is that like, I thought that uh, when the ship warped in the distance, that the episode was over. Oh, when the like, ship... Yeah, they're like, zoom, they're going to the Federation. I was like, okay, where's the episode's over? Cool. And then, uh, I thought it was supposed to be a, like a post credit scene. <laughs> when we come back, you know. Well, Hello? this is our post credit scene. Right, it's just before the credits. It's it's very strange. So we have a troll oh, oh, right. helm officer detecting a proto-warp. And yes. then, to my astonishment we are looking 20 years later again at Catherine Janeway on the bridge of a starship you know what I just realized yeah this starship is somewhat designed after this the, the bridge of the do you remember the fake dauntless the Dauntless, yeah. yeah, I do remember the Dauntless. <clears throat> so it was amazing that there was this new Dauntless. So I looked up the, so I made sure I made a note of the Dauntless, of this Dauntless's uh, registry, which is the NCC eight zero eight one six. And yeah. I, I don't, I'm, I'm a little, I don't know if I'm going to say put off, but I'm a little intrigued by the design, and not necessarily pleasantly or negatively intrigued, but just like I'm, hmm, what is that? And I'm like, is the it looks like it's made for another starship to fit inside of it or something? To me, <laughs> like, okay, I'm not sure why you have all that space in the saucer section and just like some struts holding it up. Uh huh. Um, and I wasn't sure that even we were looking. I was like, maybe this is a later Janeway. <laughs> maybe this is not the Janeway. And then. She, uh -huh. And then she's like, well, I'm coming, Chakotay. I'm like, holy crap. So, <laughs> well, the other thing I noticed is they're using the, not the uniforms, but they're using the com badges from the antimatter timeline. Huh? What now? Oh, I didn't notice that. That is a good catch. Are they in a, not quite an alternate timeline, but a slightly skewed, slightly alternate, but not alternate timeline interesting that's curious or, or did they just already have a model of a com badge and they're like yeah we will like that one that's a so somewhat uh, these are the all good things com badges is that what you're saying yes the com badges that they're oh, wearing oh that's super interesting are that's true and now I, I do remember seeing that i do remember noticing that and it didn't connect that that's which ones they were and it looks that like they is... could be maybe headed towards that timeline well, I or maybe they've yeah I feel like maybe they've agreed that that is the com badge for that time no matter what it, it shows that you're in an alternate universe mm. and maybe the, this is just before those uniforms go to all one color uniform I think that makes sense <laughs> so maybe that's how they'll explain away some of the inconsistencies between Prodigy and the rest of Star Trek where did the prototype come from they never had anything like this before yeah, i thought it was far future i mean they never had anything like a sport ride before so i think it's okay yeah. one of the things i i liked about jane the hologram janeway's law yeah. mm. uh is how they 
you know, she talks about them and, and lifts them up a little bit and gives each feature of this motley crew that we have. Sure. And then she gives the show the name. She calls each one of, you know, the crew of prodigies. Yes. Does the protostar have an EMH? Um, Better yet, what if Chicote decided as he took the protostar out, maybe he didn't want whatever mark the EM the current EMH was. He's like, hey, you know, Voyager Doctor Robert Picardo, come with me. Maybe he his CMO is the Voyager Doctor. So maybe Robert Picardo's the Doctor character is also aboard the protostar. Yeah. I mean, we okay. haven't. I mean, we haven't had a need to ask for an EMH. Zero is doing all the medical treatment of Gwen here, but do we? What? Why didn't she ask for help from the EMH? Or is there an LMH? Yeah, that'd be a fun return to the screen yeah. with Robert Picardo. I I was noticing how they just really has latched on to the arrowhead shape of the you know the the drive set. The, yeah. What are they we're calling it? Because it's not so a saucer. So I used to think it was called the star drive section, but clearly yeah, that's the part that it can say. drive between the stars. Um, yeah. So is it the, it's just the saucer section. It's the saucer section, yeah, but, it's, it's, not but it's not a saucer, saucer anymore. Right. So like, it's a, it's a. It's but a, did you notice how the, uh, the, the engineering section of this was reminiscent of the Olympic class? It was also reminiscent of uh, a Dr. Seuss um, Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit back. It's a on. little Seussical. <laughs> was there a Doctor Seuss Star Trek? I think this was it. There was. It was the one that it was USS Dauntless, Dauntless, Bondless. On Janeway's bridge, we see a Trill, a Tellurite, and an Andorian. We do, we do. I didn't look closely enough to see if the Tellurite had three fingers. Oh. <laughs> Is Jacob Pog a Tellurite? He he's called himself a Tellerite before. Yeah, very, very, uh, um, I mean, there could be multiple variations of of Tellerites, though. Sure, absolutely. Although, it may, if you think about it, it makes sense that they do only have three fingers because poor signs of Earth, they they're cloven hooves, and uh-huh. they, I mean, they would need a thumb, but they do only have two fingers that they ac- actually use in their biology. Did you say poor signs? Poor signs? Do you mean yeah. like pigs and boars and that kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Assuming that they're yeah that they're evolved from some sort of pig-like creature. Yeah. So, uh, gotcha. I think that's the right word. Oh, I think I, it is too. I just okay. wanted to clarify. I don't think I've ever heard it used in conversation. So <laughs> I greatly enjoy it. Thank you. Next time we might get to find out what actually happened to the crew of the protostar before it got to you know the beginning of the series yeah maybe at the same time as all of starfleet is ripping itself apart <laughs> ship yeah. by ship and planet by planet also i don't, yep. I don't know <laughs> next episode is going to be next episode is going to be called chaos chaos in the starfleet chaos on the ridge <laughs> maybe we'll find out why starfleet turned out bad and by the time of Picard. Oh, yeah, I wonder, like, okay, is this... Because they said it was going bad before the burn, right? right? So I wonder yeah. if this is part of that. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah, like, they're bringing all of the things together. Because this is this is a little bit... This is a little bit after Picard, or... Uh, before Picard. Before Picard. So this could affect that as well, perhaps? Yeah. You think? Or has already? <laughs> Well, yeah, possibly. Interesting. All right, ladies and germs and hymns and herms. And here we are. That's going to be it for us this evening. Oh, by the way, happy Tuesday. Hey, happy Tuesday. (laughs) Our recording date is 2022022. No. It's it's February 22nd, 2022. Yes. Or the 22nd of February, 2022. Yeah, or 2-22-2022. And it's the second day of the month, or it's the second month of the year, and it's the second day of the week, or the work week. It is indeed. 
So we'll see you on your next day of work week when we do our next episode, which is, I don't know. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Until then, people stay positive, dream big, and you'll hear from us again soon. And support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako 3 Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay. It started to look like the oh, you, you got you gotta say the phrase. What Since, phrase? Um so let's walk through the episode. So it's time to walk through the episode. We're gonna walk through the episode. So I don't know, some somehow get to uh, we're walking through the we're walking through the so let, <clears throat> so, walk through the episode now. Mm. Wow. I'm sorry, let's get that let's get that clear. Okay. Clear. Three, two, one, clear. Okay, say say the thing. Again? Yeah, it was it wasn't very clear. It was about a lot. So so uh what do you want to do now? Try to take over the world. Oh Lord! <laughs> Anything else? <clears throat> uh, should we walk up through the episode? Oh, you over? can't stumble through it. <laughs> oh, come on, don't stumble over. Don't stumble through the episode. <laughs> Is that what we do? No, we don't. Oh. Well, at the end we do. <laughs> oh, are we at the end?